Welcome to the Basketpedia podcast. Brought to you by System Basketball. On this episode, we have Kurt Gelsdorf and Mark Hart. We will be discussing their dribble drive motion offense. A to Z instruction course. That begins on September 14th. Be sure to use the promo code TVP to save $10. You can purchase the course by clicking the link in the podcast description. Uh, welcome to the Basketpedia podcast. I'm Mark Hart, and I have today Kurt Gelsdorf with Clackamas Community College. I've gotten to know Kurt very well over the last few months. How are you doing tonight up in Oregon, Coach? Good, good. Nice day out here. We uh, we hit the water a little bit with the family, and um, now we're ready to talk a little a little hoop, a little bit of the journey and in the and the, the coaching uh, profession. Yeah. So you got to the college game a little late. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? You went from high school coach to a junior college coach, and you kind of didn't do what most people do to get to college. You kind of stayed in the high school ranks for a long time. And can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, I was, I was a, a little bit of a late to the teaching game. I can, I can give you, make, it, make it very quick. I, I know that, that halfway through my, my college education, I was, I was a, a, a kind of a washed-up basketball player that, that had a little bit of a heart murmur, so I, I couldn't continue playing in the college level anymore. And, and um, I was just kind of floundering in college until I volunteered to, to, to coach freshman baseball with, with a guy that was in it, my high school when I was going to school there. And I absolutely fell in love with coaching and knew that was what I wanted to do and spent the last – you know, three years, my two years of undergrad and then a year and a half of, of grad school, just absolutely pouring myself into being a teacher. And I really thought that, that you know, my heroes were my high school guys. Yeah. Uh, just just a little sample of, of college and that, you know, went there, had, found out I had some medical things. And so I, I kind of dropped out of that. And, and my heroes were my high school guys. And I think a kid growing up in the 80s, that was pretty common. Um, and I wanted to be like them. And they were great role models and good dudes. And and so that's kind of the path that I ended up taking and got out of college and, and, and took a baseball job uh, at a, a school across town, not, not my regular uh, where I graduated from. Like, you know, and I always thought baseball would be my first real job. You know, I played baseball, basketball, um, and really loved it, was passionate about sports, was your typical junkie. And there's a lot of turnover in high school baseball. So I figured, ah, if I was going to get a job, it was going to be baseball. You know, guys are quitting. There's too many lawns to mow, too many weed whackers, um, too, too many, uh, you know, things like that. And I ended up actually getting a, a basketball job um, at my old high school. The, the, the guy that was coaching the girls team, and I'd never coached girls before. Um, the guy that was coaching the girls team kind of resigned in a huff. And then the, the JV guy got promoted. And then, you know, it was like, hey, my old AD called me and he was like, hey, do you, do you want to try this? And I'm like, I don't know. Well, I needed a job. And I was, I had I'd gone through grad school and, and that's kind of how it started. And so, you know, the, the, the story goes, you get in high school for a long time, you start out at your alma mater, you learn how to mop the floors and, and deal with a, a very small gym that really had no basketball tradition. And you build it. Um, and, and the thing I really like to share the most about that little part is that I, I can tell you that I really thought having been a player 
that I knew what it took to be a coach and it can't be further from the truth. Um, you know, it, it is a whole different animal from being a player at whatever level, whether you're really good in between bad and being able to teach the game. And so, you know, I, I got really lucky my first job, uh, the next year the, the, the head guy got, got moved on. It was kind of an interim deal. And they, they for some reason, I still don't know why they hired me. Um, and just kind of poured myself into it. And, you know, I think I thought I knew a lot about the game. And I realized after about a year that I really didn't know much about teaching the game. So, you know, that part was probably the best thing for me was, was at some point realizing that my knowledge level wasn't very good. I think a lot of coaches go in with a successful playing career. They start going. And, and, and that's where I think that, that, Mark, you talked about college late. Mm -hmm. I do think there's a huge advantage of, of whether you get there or not in the end, you know, there's some things you got to break down, some, some doors you got to crash through, but, but you know how to teach the game. Because as a high school guy, I, I really learned how to teach the game to a 7-year-old to all the way to a 17-year-old. And I think that's huge. And I know Gino talks about that in almost every – interview or podcast he does when he looks across the aisle and he sees a guy that just went from college great player grad assistant you know recruiter to head coach they never had to get down there and get dirty and that doesn't mean they're not great coaches I don't want to say that but I do think there's yeah. an advantage to going through that process so yeah so um Oregon man it's just become a hotbed um for great coaches um yourself uh, Mike Meek, I know we talked about him. Um, he's kind of flies underneath the radar with his special situations. Um, took a deep dive last night into ball screen stuff and looked at the Portland State program. Um, you got Portland Trailblazers, Terry Stoltz, a great coach. Um, and you got uh, Graves, the the coach at Oregon State women. Um, it's um, forgetting who it is uh, and you got I mean on the men's side Oregon Oregon men you got uh, shoot Mr. Spread Offense um, Dana Altman and then you got um, Oregon State coach coaches his son Tinkle yep um, great basketball up there um, you had Sabrina um, can you tell me about how 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 huge basketball is taken off in Oregon well, here, here's what I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. I, I think it, it goes back, you know, having, you know, I'm, I'm an old guy now. Um, there were two guys and on the boys' side, a guy named Barry Adams and on the girls' side, Brad Smith. Um, and this is high school. I, I, I think those guys, early 80s, grassroots, youth programs, uh, started building things. And then, uh, again, in combination with a little bit of fortuitous genetics you had some good athletes in the state and those guys were terrific coaches and I think if you were a young coach in the 80s and 90s in the, in the state of Oregon you had role models left and right that were brilliant brilliant coaches uh, Brad Smith Mark Neffendorf on the girls side Barry Adams Nick Robertson on the boys side and they were open books you could come to practice and that's, that was huge because that spread. Now, again, they had their clinics and they made some money. They had the side gigs. And, and I used to do some stuff with Barry. And then obviously uh, I worked with Brad side by side for three years. And then 
worked with him for another 12 doing, doing camps and clinics every summer. Um, those guys were brilliant. And having those guys in your state, it just raised the level of coaching. You had, you had this unbelievable program at Oregon City um, that was winning national titles. And Barry Adams, who had a D1 kid, uh, you know, every other year or so, and, and, and some other guys on the boys' side. And so it just raised the level. I think when you have those kind of coaches that are willing to share and you're able to go out and watch practice and see how those guys do it, I was blown away. Because I think if you'd asked me um, about, you know, Kurt, how was your practice? You think you have a good practice? And, and my first couple of years, I would have known crap, so that doesn't matter. But let's say year six, year seven, when I feel like I'm coming into my own, uh, thought I knew what I was doing. Um, no, I, I, I watched Brad's practice at Oregon City, and I was blown away about, obviously, the ability level. You've got kids going to Vanderbilt, kids going to Oregon, and you've got kids going to, to Power 5 schools all over. But, but the, 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 the level of intensity, I was blown away. And same thing, you know, you go to the boys' get practices with Barry and those guys. So I, I just think that, that Oregon really was blessed with um, some great coaches that were willing to share. And it just kind of in a small state. I mean, there was you got the Portland area, but you could if you're even downstate, you can drive to Portland if you want to. You can you could drive to Salem to see Barry. It's not that big a deal. So we had that advantage. Okay, so mid two thousands come around and you start looking at some dribble drive stuff. Yeah. Um, who are some of the major influences besides Vance? Well, you know, just a quick story. You know, Brantz was recruiting a kid at Oregon City on the boys' side, so that's how I got to know Vance. You know, and I was super basic when I first learned it. But, you know, Mark Campbell, who worked with Vance, who's now an assistant um, for, uh, for Kelly Graves at Oregon, he, he's awesome. I, I, I'd love to see if he could come on and share some stuff. I know he's, he's, he's kind of under the radar there. And, and if, you, if you know the game on the women's side, you know Mark Campbell. But he'd be a terrific interview. He was great. And got to kind of get embedded down there at Pepperdine a little bit. And, and then it did, did what everybody else does. You kind of call around. You, you get online. You, you check it out. You watch. You, you, you start to figure out what works and what doesn't. It's a lot of trial and error. You know, we, we kind of almost went full-blown dribble drive in, gosh, 07. Um, but then we had an injury and had to get away from it a little bit. We had a dynamite point guard. Maybe it was 08. Uh, you know, and then we were back to seven with some great posts. We high low and we won a state title in 09. So, but you know, Vance is really the one guy that, that stands out to me as far as being the dribble drive guy I based everything off of. And then everything else was a lot of just trial error, learning from switching, learning to do some stuff, watching. Some of it's random. I, I tell people the story that, that, that I don't want to say this made me a better coach than anybody else, but um when I would work the summer camps at Oregon city, it was kind of a big group thing. It was us and our teams. Uh, we had tournaments there every summer. And so part of my job was to, to monitor Oregon city high school. I worked there, you know, that kind of stuff. I was the employee in the building. Those guys were retired. Uh, and I would say those guys, Carl and Brad, who run the tournaments. And I watched games, just 10 games a day, along with coaching one or two. So you start to see things that work and don't work and you start to figure some stuff out. So, you know, the dribble drive to me is ever evolving. It's, it's dynamic. You got, you got people with their own versions of it. You know, Greg Campy does a great job with it on the men's side. Um, you, know, you could name 10 other guys that kind of have versions of it. You know, the 76ers, when they, they had Vance on the staff, ran some stuff. The Kings ran some versions of it. And, and when you had Pete Carrill and Vance Wahlberg in the NBA, <laughs> that, was, that was a kick to watch. So Yeah, I mean, you ran it 
he was running a little bit before he got to the Kings to, with the Nuggets, right? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that stuff. Followed, too. followed George Carl to a couple spots, I believe. Um, yep. And then it's, it's kind of interesting with Vance because he went to the NBA game and he wasn't a ball screen guy at all. Um, and the, I think he had to incorporate it a little bit um, and find ways to use it with the 24 second shot clock in the NBA. Um, oh yeah. And be more creative with it because Vance is more pressing. Um, so it's just, it's kind of weird with him going back full circle. Now he's back in the it high school. It's a very interesting journey he went on there. Um, uh, I mean. Uh, brilliant, brilliant guy. I, I can't. Oh yeah. Just, you know, you get in a room with Vance, you know he's, he's super smart. I mean, he has to go on a top 10 list of innovators in the game. Oh, of for sure. For sure, there's no doubt. I mean, it's – we discuss it. I mean, there's probably not very many teams anymore that are just pure dribble drive. Um, a lot of more people are running sets, and then they'll get into what they call flow or whatever they want to refer to dribble drive as. I mean, that's, that's my opinion of what Oates is. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because I, I do know you're talking to some – you know, we, we started full blower at Oregon City with dribble drive in and, and 13. Like, we were, we were full on. We had graduated some D1 posts, and we were on. So I would say that, that you know, we had that run from 13, 14 when we won another state title. Um, there was a, quite a bit of dribble drive momentum based on our success. Um, you know what I mean? It, you just you watch the team that's in the tournament. You watch what they do. Uh, there's quite a few high school teams in the Portland metro area that run some dribble drive stuff some dribble weaves from what we used to do. It was, it was it really a credit more to Brad and, and what he built with those national title teams. And we just tried to, tried to maintain a level. And I think that was, I, I'll always be proud of my time at Oregon city. Cause you know, you, you, people ask about following, you know, the, the a hall of famer, a guy who was in the women's basketball hall of fame. And, and, and I felt like we did a terrific job. And I say, we are staff. You're only as good as your staff um, uh, of, of, keeping a, a level of, of competitive uh, 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 – uh, we, we were able to compete for state titles every year. Now, we weren't able to win national titles because I think that was such a product of this this window that was unbelievable of, of kids that were, you know, Division One All-Americans. I mean, that, that roster in 97, 98 had, you know, three first-team All-Americans on it, <laughs> which you, you don't see very much in high school. No. Um... So, been running dribble drive for a while. Um, you've gone out and done Zoom clinics. I mean, I, you've you've probably done. I mean, you've done them. Um, I mean, you can tell me better than me. You think you did it one in four people in the Dominican Republic, uh, Puerto Rico. That was kind of fun. Puerto Rico. I'm sorry. Yeah, I knew it was out. Of, I knew it was out of the U.S. Um, yeah, that was fun. Did, I enjoyed that. You've done a few. Done a bunch for me. Um, you started at virtual clinics and it kind of blew up. Virtual clinics kind of opened up the door for everybody to kind of do these on the Layson and the guys. Um, so you're a student of the game and you just study it. What, what during this time and unique time that we're living in, um, are you specifically looking for things to, to gain to your stuff? Are you looking for new things? What have you been really studying? You know, I, I, I have that, you talk about the basketball journey. I've got a philosophy in my head. I kind of know what I like. Mm -hmm. I think when we all start out, we kind of do what we did when we played. 
Yeah. And then, and then maybe we look around and I think that's where I, if I was to give a young coach advice is, is find somebody to look at your team. Um, and if you hear criticism, don't take it personal, take it as part of the journey. Cause I, I remember my first couple of years, I did, I mean, I thought I knew what I was doing and I, I remember, Hey, this guy thinks that you're a clown and you don't know what you're doing. And we were winning games cause there was a transfer kid, a volleyball, it was a volleyball school I was at. And we were winning probably because of her less because of me. And, and, um, you know, just, just try to learn as much as you can. And going back to what you asked as far as what I'm doing now, I, I've got my philosophy. I know what I like. Um, I've had to tweak it, uh, the, the pressure D a little bit in the college level. We don't press quite as much as I was a, I was 100% of the time press guy in, in high school. And when we have the right roster, you know, we recruit the right group. Uh, you know, junior college level, you're, you're not going to always get um, – the six three kid or, or the or the best point guard in the gym you got to kind of build yourself with twos and threes that you know there's a lot of those out there and and then see what you can get and um but you know i'm, I'm looking at, at ways to, to take dribble drive and 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 spread stretch it make it better maybe look at a, a, a end of quarter end of game thing think about the college game is there's a lot of those opportunities with those media timeouts um you know every four or five minutes there's a media so we, you know, the radio broadcast or whatever they're doing that particular day, you know, so those are little things that I've picked up, you know, looking at chin as a, as a way to get into entry was kind of a big deal for me a couple of years ago. And I really like that. And then, then adding some horns to it. And now the latest part has been seeing how, you know, knowing our, our post players coming back can stretch a little bit and shoot threes, maybe some five outs. You know, that's kind of the big uh, buzzword right now is, is five out. You watch a little NBA. Five out, driving space. Driving space and, and trying to get that post out of the way. And that was something I came to naturally. It was weird. I, I can remember going, oh, man, I, how do I get the big out of there? And then it, it felt like within that same month, I'm watching clinics where, hey, we got to move the big. And, and it was – I'm sure they were thinking of it way before I was, but but it was just uh, – that, you know, that's kind of what I'm looking at, ways to, to lift that kid out of there and, and get it into the, the quarter play. But, but I'm not reinventing the wheel for myself right now, which I probably was doing 20 years ago, where I was, yeah. I was probably trying to prove to everybody how smart I was. I agree um, with you. Yeah, I mean. I, I, I'm glad I'm through that phase. I, I think that, that, that that's not a bad thing to go through. And, that, that, and I don't mean the arrogance part, because I do think that coaches sometimes let that get to where it, it, it affects relationships with other coaches. But, um, you know, you, you want to know what's going on. And, and I always tell the story of, of my first year as a varsity coach, uh, essentially losing a game for the team because I, I didn't manage the clock right. It was fouls and clock, time and score. And we've all probably done that at some yep. level. And so, uh, you know, I didn't ever want to let that happen again. So I kind of dove into it and probably to the detriment of other areas of my life, to be honest with you. Um, and then finally, it, you, you come to the realization, but, but you know, you, you, if you really are trying to create life lessons for your team and grow your kids and grow them into responsible adults, that the knowledge is awesome. There's no doubt. You, 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 you want to make sure that you're putting out uh, the very best, I don't know, product is probably the wrong word, but the best scheme, the best strategies to help your team win. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, you, you you know, we, we can't compare to the next guy because we, this is the team that we have. We're doing our very best. We all know that, you know, when parents would come to you and say, how come you're not playing so-and-so or, or, Hey coach, look at that team. How come they're not playing so-and-so? Well, I tell them coaches are pretty simple creatures. They're going to, they're going to play the players that will win the game for them. 
that's it. That, there's no, there's really no bias there. So I know I went off on a tangent that way, but, but you know, I, I, just I, I agree with you is I was that I was the young guy. I mean, I'm 45. We're, I mean, we're within five years of each other. So growing up in the same era, watching the same type of basketball over the course of years. Um, and I was the guy that would go to every Nike clinic in Vegas. Vegas was the thing to go to. Um, oh, for sure. I loved it. Um, it was the biggest one. I was the guy. Um, I, I put some of the stuff on Facebook. I was the guy that used to sit at the top at Bally's or Paris. Remember when it was at Bally's in Paris? And you were allowed to record. You were allowed to record the clinic, guys. Yeah. So I would set up my camera right up there and have an extension cord using, using Bally's or Paris's power. And I just record them all. And I would be, I'd love to go on Fridays, the Friday first speaker. Oh yeah. It was always somebody that you like going, uh, let me try to remember one, Tim Herrion. Um, Herrion, H-E-R-R-I-O-N. Yeah, he, he did a great little clinic on how to build a program. Right. And I'm a 21, 22 year old young buck coach <laughs> just starting up. Right now I'm, I'm I'm a freshman coach and then I became a JV coach and then I got my varsity job at age 25 um, and I'm building my philosophy um, of, and then once you get, I don't know when it is, you have that epiphany of that aha moment, I guess is what you would call it of, this is how I like to play, yeah. but now I'm just going to morph it to what talent level I have each year. You have a base philosophy and um, that's, that's where I'm at. It was, um, I know I like dribble drive concepts and stuff, but you got to mask it. You got to add ball screens. Like you said, some chins. Now the big, the big buzz one is no one will call it this Princeton drive motion. I mean, we've been on numerous clinics and we're looking at stuff going dribble drive, huh? Uh, it looks a little bit like point series to me. And then it flows into, uh, Drive and attack. I mean, and you could so, even you could even use a, a Wahlberg uh, uh, acronym for some of those guys that are going. You know, I, I like I told people I like swing, swing, attack. Uh huh. Mine SSA, and you got a lot of those guys that are that are that are penetrate pass pass, and then okay. and, and and whether that was a quick entry or whatever, it's like you know what, more power to them. You know, it's go become, for it. I mean, dribble drives kind of become like flex. It goes through its morphisms because. I mean, I was, I ran flex in high school as a player right. and then I went and coached in it and then I started my coaching career in it. Cause that's what I knew. Right. And you were able to line up, you were able to just line up elbow, elbow, strong side, strong side block weak and just go guard to guard and get into the pattern. Then you had to start doing one, two, two entries, two, three high entries, yep. different ways because people were just able to defend the pattern. So did you find when you first started out running dribble drive that you could just go like middle penetration, kick back, get to the rack? Like, like it was, you know, I, I think it's, uh, we, I started we, a little bit before you, I started in 2008. So yeah, well, no, one, I, I no one knew what it was down here. Like tried it before we had the injury. I think it was very simple and we got a ton of penetration. There was not a ton of cover over cover down. Mm -hmm. from the X4, X3, from the weak side. 
you know, people were uh, other times people were helping off the strong side corner. So that's completely changed. You know, everything's flowing from the weak side for your help now. Um, and so that's totally different. And, and, and when we did go, I think the advantage we had in that first year where we really committed to it, boy, we had some dynamite players. We had, we had your ultimate um, trailer. You know, we, I use the term that, that, that I really like, and we've gotten away from it at college because the guy I work with, we both love dribble drive, but he likes the Wahlberg numbers. I used to call that the H-back because we had go. run high-low for so long that no one wanted to be a five and, and these kids had grown up in our Oregon city program. And, and so I decided to borrow a football term and call it the H and man, I, um, one of my buddies who ran it called the trigger um, as far as the, the kid that takes it out and trails down. But, but we, uh, we certainly got some good mileage out of it early before really the, the sag and switch came in. Uh, but mm -hmm. part of it, you know, early was that we were, we were dynamite. We had a, a left-handed point guard. I think if I had a lefty point guard in dribble drive every year, that would be dynamic. Uh, the, the the trailer, the five man was was a dominant right-hand <laughs> post who could relocate, flash to the elbow, and even in in some set action, step out and hit a three. So we were we were really blessed with that that kind of lineup. So. <laughs> Got a dog going crazy in the background. All right, that's what we love about live TV. Yeah. Live. So, okay. so um, me and you started talking, and you you did all these clinics yep. uh, for virtual, and you started getting a lot of emails. Um, and me and you kind of formed a pretty decent relationship with the dribble drive and stuff, and we started talking, and about doing this course that we got coming up on September fourteenth. You were getting lots of questions on emails. I was doing some small little Zoom clinics and stuff, and we were getting lots of questions. So can you kind of tell some of the people why the 12 week, what, what, what you want to try to get accomplished with our little 12 session, six week course? Yeah, I think, you know, when I did those clinics in, in, in the spring there, when those first started popping up with COVID and pandemic mm -hmm. and all that, um, you know, I did basically what I did for championship. I did my, my advanced dribble drive and, and I figured that advanced had covered a lot of the basics of it. So, you know, I had kind of gotten that, that little niche there and, there you, yeah. you know, and then you and I start talking and we really, you know, came to the conclusion, I think rightly so, is that when you look at it, I, I don't know if anybody's really like laid it out into how they think an implementation or install. Cause one of the questions I got a ton from my virtual clinics was coach, you know, loved it, liked it, hated it. You're a dick, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, but, but Hey, can you send me your PDF? Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're a dick, but send me something for free. Yeah, right? something. <laughs> you know, whatever. But, but just to make a lot, a, a joke of it, but, but I, um, you know, a lot of the questions were, you know, and, and um, Hey, I'm, I just ran it last year, my first year. What, what can you tell me about the beating? I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in it. I don't know what to do. So that I, I felt like, you know what, maybe a little bit of an A to Z thing of, of the, the install to the advanced, you know, including some ways to do it out of your specials too, um, situation wise, all the way through would be an interesting little, little project to tackle. And I, I'm excited for it. And I think yeah, me, me, me too. I mean, we, we've already started going to work on it. Um, Basically 12 courses, everybody, six weeks. It'll be Mondays and Thursdays. Um, and we'll have a lot of content for you. We're, 
the structure of it's going to be probably going like an instructional thing where we'll have whiteboard, chalkboard, talk, probably some game film, um, lesson plans, um, practice plans and stuff. We're going, we'll be a little bit for everybody, whether you're novice or you've ran it. Um, I know I ran it since 2008 and, and Kurt makes my brain go whoop with some of the new things. You can't really see his whiteboard behind there, behind him, but he's always got his whiteboard when he comes on with his, with an idea. With his lab, with his lab of stuff. Um, uh, first, first one is September 14th and that's our implementation day. And you kind of want to get in on it. If I have advice for you from day one, because we're not going to really, it, it's going to be too hard for us with the time frame to go back and, and review. Um, too much stuff. So it's going to be kind of, you can listen, you can, you can pay for it and get the recordings. If you miss one, the only thing you're going to miss out is on the live Q and A, because we're going to do a Q and A with it um, for people. So it's, it's six weeks, 12 sessions. Um, you get the recording and the, the link will be in the description of the podcast here for you guys. Um, when we do it. Um, the other thing that you want to do is head over to Facebook and join our little DDM hoop talk group that we've kind of, me and him, I started it a while ago um, when I had my blog. I don't know if Kurt was, knew about me back I when I had. remember the blog like from, uh, yeah. I remember hit on that. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, my ebook's been out since 2012. Um, Kurt, Kurt has a new ebook coming out too. Um, what he talked about where he was frustrated that he lost a game. So he's done a clinic for me on special situations. Um, we put it together in an ebook. So that'll be dropping here probably within the next week or so. Um, waiting on some cover art for it. Um, yeah, actually sent me some stuff today. So we're uh, very close now. And we're looking at with it class. I think uh, Kurt had some ideas. We're trying to get some guests, maybe some guys to come guest speak that know a little bit about dribble drive. If we can get Campbell, that'd be, that'd be sweet. Um, I know he and Wiggins. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned Wiggins or not. Um, yeah, I, I work on Adrian too. Uh, Adrian's a big guy that goes under the radar that no one really knows him. Yeah. So yeah, uh, kind of ladder and he's kind of like Vance now back in high school. Yeah. So um, who are your top zoom guys that you, that you listen to? I know you've been doing, you've, I mean, you've gotten your fair no, share. I'm, I'm more, I, I don't know if there's a guy that I'm looking at more than just a topic. Topic. Uh, who, okay. At topic. What topics are you liking? You know, I, I, I look like I told you the other day, I looked at an old Pat Summit all access video and, okay. and got a couple ideas. Uh, the, the big one I, I just kind of brainstormed is she used in her, in her shell drills and her five on fours and her defensive stuff. There was always transition to half court by the defense. You know, just, just a quick little reminder that, that we get a stop, a rebound, we're going to go, and then they reset. And I, I kind of like that. It was something that I, I look in there going, I, I remember looking at that. And I remember, you know, thinking that was a great idea, but never really in my shell or my breakdown defensively ever having that transition piece. I've got it in other things. We did a lot in our press breakdowns, you know, where you'd get a steal and you would, you'd mimic a, a transition to the other end, that kind of stuff. But Never did that in my half court. And then, uh, you know, looking at some zone offense stuff to maybe add a wrinkle or two to our zone stuff, uh, you know, whether that's some ball screen action or just some quick hitter action, just some slips. We've got some some pretty good players coming back. We've got a really dynamite um, trailer kid that, that we'd like to get the ball as much as possible. 
especially in the paint, makes some good decisions. So, you know, little things like that. It's more topic-wise than it is really – because we all know that sometimes a celebrity coach doesn't uh, doesn't really give a ton or, or just doesn't have a ton. You, know, you just, just don't know. Starting September 14th, Kurt Gelsdorf and Mark Hart will be conducting a Dribble Drive Motion Offense Instructional Series. This series will teach you how to install and run the Dribble Drive Motion from A to Z. For more information about this instructional series, check out the link in the podcast description. Make sure to look for the promo code to save $10 on the course. Um, yeah, I remember all your stuff, all the clinics you've done for me and the ones I listened to about the content, about your story with loot. Um, <laughs> and um, the biggest thing that I hate at clinics is they give you clinic answers, man. Like, like if you're going to go see Roy, Roy Williams, what are you going to see? North Carolina secondary break. Um, but someone asked him the particulars of it, he ain't going to give it to you. Um, so my biggest thing that I've enjoyed, me probably going to run more system-ish basketball, uh-huh. is the biggest thing I've gotten out of Zoom or out of COVID and with these Zooms is the willingness of coaches to share and the respect factor that's coming, whether it's a junior high type coach, high school coach, um, because your buddy, Mike Meek, yes. came, to my, came to my Wahlberg press and I was honored that he was there because I, I respect the guy as a coach. Um, I think he's one of the best. You, you put me on to him about his special situations, his offense, his brilliancy, but he's a 2 one press type of guy. Um, and he was in there asking a high school coach about stuff to help him. And I'm like, wow, if a D1 guy can come listen to a high school guy nowadays with Zooms. And I mean, we were doing a clinic last night um, and we had the guy asking questions from Chile. Yeah. Um, I like how you I, called him Gaston and then you, you, you switched it to Gaston. Yeah, I had to, I had to take my Baldwin Parkisms from where I, where I coached at Baldwin Park to figure out that it was Gaston. So. <laughs> Um, I mean, my fault. So, um, we've have, um, we've had some people listen to us from Australia. I mean, it's just been wild. I mean, you, you've done a clinic in Puerto Rico, isn't it? Like, I, I mean, I told you when I did the first one, I think, I, I think the timing was just so good. People were just dying. Oh yeah. Something positive. I, I, Russia, Greece, Iran, um, uh, Australia, you, you name the country. And I think I got a, an email from that place to, about yeah, and, and my podcast was almost just out of craps and giggles to be honest with you just talking hoop with friends and trying to market more of my clinics and stuff and i was looking at it today it's like being it's in 10 countries that i've had someone listen to this so it's it's basketball is the most is probably well it's the second i would say soccer is the most popular sport in the world yeah i, I think basketball is the best game i just i love it oh, yeah. I love the things you can learn from whether it. you run dribble drive or the system mover blocker whatever whatever you're running it's strategy um i just wish i don't know your thoughts i'll ask you this do you think we need a universal game like do we all need to just we play need to get FIBA? closer to we just need to game? play fiba rules and just be done with it i think we need to get closer i, I think if that means high school and college at 30 seconds with a 10 second backcourt universally 50 states 
and then 24 at the NBA. I can live with that. If, if, if a kid in Canada at eight years old can play 24 second shot clock, I, I can't see why America can't. Um, but, yeah. you know, Another so question I have for you about dribble drive is what are, how, how difficult is it on the girls' side? Is there limitations to it because of the athletic? Well, you know, you're not going to get your lob dunks. Um, you're, it's a little bit harder to throw some of those drag skips, you know, those, those jump up in the air passes. Um, you can do it, though. I mean, I, I, I think at the same, same level that, that you don't necessarily have the, the length to, to cover some of those, those long closeouts either. So you, you're able to get some, some threes. So there, there are some u- unique little things. Um, and so when I talk to guys, coaches about it, I'm like, you know, I, I think you're fine. I think that you might look at it on that penetration lob stuff is always the one that comes to mind. You know, you're going to have to move the ball from side to side, just like you do on the women's side. You're going to have to create some gaps to get into. Um, I, I think it's, it's somewhat of a universal offense. And I do think that it's, it's surprising not many more guys, I, you know, you, you've, you've kind of noticed a little bit on the women's side, there's more dribble drive teams right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, the Portland area kind of jumped onto what we were doing in that mid 2013. We, you have some success, people see it, you know, some of the better teams in the area adopted it. So if you, yep. if you look around, there's some, there's some, some KG actions that are being run. I, uh, I look at that as yeah, the, the I was, I was kind of known as the trailblazer in the San Gabriel Valley down where I am running there in 2008 um, where we're in Southern California. We're uh, a couple hours away from Wahlberg land in Fresno. So um, a guy named John Jordan in my area um, went up to Fresno practices, started getting the stuff and that's who I, started learning dribble drive from and got a lot of stuff. I, I know you don't, you don't believe you don't, you, you use it sometimes, but you're not a full Wahlberg press guy. Um, right. You use your multiple presses um, so that because of the rules, it's too hard to have the multiple sets. Yeah, certainly we were, we were ingrained in some rules, some pressing rules from, from, so that's where the, the youth program from fourth and fifth grade on up helps us so much. But in that respect, it probably yeah. limited uh, such a radical difference in how you, you guard a couple simple things. And, and yeah. you and I think they're pretty simple, but if you're a kid who's on the sideline and you're the taker and you're used to your entire life coming forward to trap, or at least leading a player into a trap, um, and then suddenly you're being told, no, you, you run with the guy up the sideline. That's a massive change. And oh, yeah. so in that it's kind of like, it's kind of like this change where I had a post player that could shoot the ball a few years ago. So we started running more five out, mm-hmm. but I'm out here going, okay, when we're running five out, we're going to run Rick Torbett circle movement. So trying to teach that, but when we drive, I got one guy circle moving and one guy running kick-up action. <laughs> so so we're, I had them all mentally effed in the head, if you will. Um, so we started getting some false movement, and then we just decided to run five out with kick-ups. Right. Yeah. Uh, with double, like you, double shallows, hit a player on the wing, send two through, create that huge triple gap. Um, 
And those are some of the things that, I mean, I before I met you and didn't even know who Doug Novak was, another innovator. Um, I mean, he, with the driving space, putting the player, putting the post in the elbow area, doing different things with chin actions. Um, that's become Doc Shepler's version. Um, there's, there's so much out there. And I think we're going to hit on, on some of that stuff and the advanced stuff too. Yeah. Nuts and bolts, go back to the basics, creating gaps, role, role identification. I mean, I, both of us have Wahlbergisms in us but there are benefits to Calipari spacing as opposed to Wahlberg spacing. So, I mean. And I, and I think the more you run it, the more you kind of get comfortable with what you like, what you've seen works for your group and kind of get, get married to it a little bit. And I kind of like, kind of like Campy stuff, how he teaches the one, one syllable. Yep. Where you're not kick up this, kick up that, kick back this. It, well, that's, we, we gave it numbers. You know that. We, we've got numbers if we ever want to do that. And So you do well, a little Villanova type numbering system? Well, you know, a 100 uh, kickback, yeah. 200, we want to go to the two, 300. And, and then even lately, it's the one syllable stuff like the wave and the rocket just to, because we found that, and this is something I think we really want to hit on in our stuff. If you just start out with ones and twos, which isn't awful. If you started mm -hmm. out, you're you're putting in, you're installing dribble drive from day one, and you just put in ones and twos. What you end up most of the time with, I found, was was kids that just want to lift every time, and kids that just want to kick up every time, and you you lose lose out on the fours, and it becomes very weave like. Now, nothing wrong with just a little kick to get something started. You know, you see that in the NBA all the time a pitch and then a, a one, two, five trailer. Now we're swinging it into a ball screen or we're going to do something else. Um, they may run, run, run little, uh, some pin down action on that weak side. Who knows what they do, but yeah, I mean, the part that I'm going to love the best about it is at the tail end of the, the last couple sessions we have is the player development. People don't realize they they just think that you just, it's a misconception. You just roll the ball out and your kids are just playing pen and pen and kick. Um, no, <laughs> uh, I mean, I didn't take mine to the next level until I started learning the skill development of the ball handling, the shooting, because um, it, it, it's not a cure-all. People that think, oh, I'm just going to run it and win. Um, you got to have, you, you got to have some people that can play a little bit and they got to understand how to play the game. I think, I think it teaches kids how to play. Um, my honest opinion with it is whether you run it or not, you should almost teach it to your freshman team. Oh yeah. For an attack. I would even include what, what Novak does quite a bit is 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 create some two way drive opportunities within it, you know, um, where he, you know, sends it to that too and it it cuts the guard right through. And so then it becomes a quick little post mm -hmm. and then they just relocate based on where the drive is. Yeah. I mean yeah, you go to a Calipari quick series and 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 not send a player to the strong side corner. You go away so that yeah. they have a baseline drive, middle drive. Yeah. Tilt the court, I guess. Um, Calipari has gone away from it. Yeah, he, he's yeah. I don't. I, you know, some of those those big celebrity guys have you know kind of kind of married to getting guys to the NBA, and they've got to they've got to show that they're running stuff that they're running in the NBA. 
Well, my joke, my joke is, is, is if you're not teaching a ball screen, you're not coaching. So um, didn't Campy say that in the clinic one time that yeah. got to throw a ball screen in there? Yes, we got to put a ball screen in. So my parents don't think I'm an idiot. Speaking of him, he's gone away. I don't think he's around the last few years. Yeah, you know, it it it's just like everything. I was going for our for our class, been doing some deep dive study, and then I was I went back to I think 2010 through 13 of Campy uh, when he had um, I don't know if you were watching him back then, Travis Bader. Don't know that name, but I I know he was all into that. So let's talk a little NBA real quick, and then we'll yeah. wrap it up. Um, growing up in the 80s, who was your guy? I was a Laker fan. I, okay. I was I was Magic and Kareem. Um, my, my family was from the Midwest, so my mom kind of had a Milwaukee kind of thing going on. Ooh, uh, so, sports, so, she sports hated, so she hated Kareem leaving the Bucks. Uh, you know, I don't think we were that fanatical about much of anything there. She was uh, just a Midwest, you know, Milwaukee, and then Kareem traded to the Lakers. I became a Laker fan. We settled up in the in the Portland area. You know, early seventies, and and just watched the Lakers, and I really was a Kareem fan. In the early, I was one of those kids that had the the yearbook, the almanac. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say I think Kareem's the goat. He's he's pretty good. I I uh, I looked at some of his stats because, like I said, again, I I had the baseball almanac, I had the basketball almanac. I didn't know you were a baseball guy, man. Um, yeah. I was a big time baseball player, so. So I, I I remember looking at Kareem's stats one year, and it. It was some ridiculous amount, like 35.7 points a game, 18 yep. rebounds, four and a half blocks, two and a half assists. I'm like, I mean, just in a game where they were probably beating the living daylights out of him from the beginning of the end of the game. Um, and it wasn't built like Wilt. <laughs> no. Um, and some of those pictures from early on, I think had he played – you know, in a, in a, in a, in the eighties with, with his young cream body, you know, swatting those shots where his, his head was hitting the rim and he was spectacular. I mean, and, and remember he won at every level. Oh yeah. He, That's... He was high school national champion. If there was one, he won three straight at UCLA and then beat the defending champions as a freshman. He beat his own team. Yeah. That he couldn't play on. <laughs> And then and then won six NBA times. So there's always a special place. For I, I say Kareem's the goat based upon the long of a career. And certainly uh, his longevity was unbelievable. And I and those those Laker teams, I could name all those guys just like I could name the starting infield for the Dodgers in the seventies. And you know you got Lopes and Say and all. And I, I just was one of those kids growing up that loved sports. And and I'm I'm very lucky to have gotten into profession where so your I could, parents moved out to Oregon in the eighties. No, 70s, early 70s. Dad was a military guy, and, and I was born, and so they, they got out. He got out of the military life and, and uh, settled into so, NoCal, ended up in Seattle. So you've, probably, you've probably heard me say this one. I, I ask people usually, who are, your, who are the five guys that you would say, I'm going to pick these five guys and go beat me? Uh, and I usually tell people they had to at least watch them on TV or been playing when, when since, since they've been alive. So for me, I can't say like Jerry West or right. Wilt or people like that. My five guys always been on every podcast that I've said it on is Magic, Michael, LeBron, Larry, and Kareem. Yep. 
That's not a bad group. And I go, beat me. It's <laughs> not a bad group. I'd have to I'd have to lay some guys out in front of me, you know, and, and see if, if we missed anybody. Uh, you know, Bird Bird was such a love hate thing because he was a Celtic and I was a Laker fan. So I I know. I, I finally begrudgingly like he's really good. I, I hate his guts. Uh, yeah, me too. Tired. And then it was like, yeah, you know what? He's just a really great player and and uh, same with Danny Ainge and those guys. And Danny Ainge is an Oregon guy. Um, and, and you could argue that Danny Ainge was the best all-around athlete. Or at least in the conversation. He was a big-time baseball player. Scratch golfer. And scratch golfer, too. Okay. Major League Baseball player. Professional basketball player. And uh, could have played football at an incredibly high level had he wanted to. So you weren't a Jerome Kersey fan. Loved Jerome Kersey. Loved him. We we did, that Blazer team there in the '90s became kind of adopted. The whole town went nuts. Clyde the Glide. Clyde the Glide. I met a great story. I met Clyde Drexler. I was working at a grocery store between my time at Arizona State and my time starting my teaching career in Oregon because you have this little window where your license has to transfer. Yeah. And so I had done some work in college. So I got a, a job at a Safeway and Clyde came in and we talked and um, it was closed, but he had found a way to get in. I think the, uh, the manager had left a little electric eye off, but he didn't lock the door. So Clyde had like three in the morning, pushed the door open, he needed some diapers. He was uh, either his first or second child. I can't remember what. And we talked a little bit and talked about Charles Barkley at the time because he had been traded to Houston. He had just won the NBA title. The rumor was Barkley was coming, you know, all that. I think it was right in that window. And I said, Clyde, you know, I'll, I'll let you buy these, these groceries here, but you got to sign my, an autograph for me. <laughs> so I, I've got a two Kurt thanks for everything Clyde Drexler autograph that I, I have in a special spot. That, uh, and he was terrific. And he's, by the way, he is huge. Um, his shoulders and his quads, it was a warm summer night. It was, it was a hot summer Oregon night. And he is massive, bigger than people would expect. I, six seven probably doesn't do him justice. I guess he was six eight, and I bet he was two thirty. He was not quite LeBron, but LeBron. The other, yeah, the other visions I have right now of your of the Trailblazers back then is funniest name, funniest guy. I think he was double zero. Kevin Duckworth. Kevin Duckworth. And what then, you had, then you had Buck Williams. Yep. Well, Buck. Yeah, and Duckworth was a great guy. You know, he passed away, had and some then, medical issues. And uh, then, unfortunately, the guys that you're seeing right now, um, like Jokic of the Nuggets. Yeah. People didn't. People that don't know Arvidas Sabonis, um, Portland fans saw a shell of him. Like that, he came. He came over to the NBA too late. Like uh, that guy was very skilled. And he was the only guy that I ever saw live that could stand next to Shaq and not look small, super small. Yeah. See, that's the thing is when you debate the center position, when you mention Shaq and they say, oh, Wilt would kill him. I'm like, do you realize how big Shaq is? Yeah. I think Wilt, I think Wilt would look small next to Shaq. When they, they call him the diesel for a reason. I mean, there, there was great footwork. It was massive power. See, I mean, I was a huge Laker fan until Shaq left. And my animosity of Kobe and the Lakers built from that. I was a, in the argument of who do you, who, who, who's the guy? Right. 
I was, I was, give the diesel the damn ball. Because um, that guy was, those, those three years that they won it, three years in a row, no one, no one could stop them. Forget what year it was, the 15 and one team. Well, they lost one game. They lost one game, and it was game one to um, Iverson in the NBA Finals. That was it. Or they would have went. Or they would have ran the table sixteen and zero. Or well, Iverson. That was that was a Magic team that played there. That wasn't wasn't the the Shaq team. Or maybe not. Maybe it was the the that two thousand. Yeah, we'd have to look that up. That that I know. I remember Iverson. The only game that the only game that the Lakers lost was to. Um, Iverson in game one. That's right. Okay, I'm getting confused with some earlier times when the Lakers beat the Bulls game one and the Bulls swept them. Remember that? That's what I got it confused with. Yeah. 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 Iverson I mean, won game one and then they just blasted him. I mean, I mean my guy growing up was Magic. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you where I was, where I was, and crying when he, had, when he announced HIV. I, that's one of those, one of those sports moments that I think everybody knows where you were at. Um, yeah, I mean, that one I remember. The other one. I was in high school. Mike Tyson got knocked out by Buster Douglas. I can remember. Yeah, and those were the two big ones in that little window of about five years. Magic and and Tyson, I think. So are you a Netflix guy? You know what? I, I I'll dabble. You know, I. So what are you streaming? Uh, my last favorite one, I, 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 I watched some British shows. I watched uh, a British show called In the Line of Duty, which was an Amazon Prime show. It's, uh, it's like an internal affairs thing. You know, right. the, I like that stuff. I'm like a conspiracy uh, government person. I, I, love, I love that British stuff. I, I don't know why. It's, I'm Peaky stupid. Blinders? What's that? Peaky Blinders? Have you watched that? You know what? I started Peaky Blinders. I got about four or five episodes in, and then something, I don't know if it was school year, I just couldn't get with it or not. Uh, um, the one that I just can't wait for the next seasons, and the one word I say after every season is damn is Ozark. Yep, Ozark's a good one. I've been, oh my I've been through that one. I, you know, Harry Bosch is a good one on Prime, too. The, yes. I'm a big reader, so I'm, I'm I'll, every Michael Connolly thing I can get my hands on, I'll read and, and, um, you know, right now, like I said, I, I love the, the one I'm into now that I really have recommended for our team is that uh, Joshua Metcalf book, Win the Dark. Um, I talked to Mike Neighbors a little bit about, hey, you know, we probably don't have the resources to do anything more than one book. You know, you know we, we're not Arkansas or, or whatever. We can't buy five books and get through the year. And he was on that one. And, and I, did uh, that. I, I had um, got an idea from one of the coaches. Uh, he was Coach Coletti um, on one of the Zoom clinics that he did like a summer reading program. So when I was able to work out with my team, sent out a message to the parents in my program, said I want to do a summer book for the program. Does anybody know anybody that would donate or get a sponsor for it? Parent emailed me and goes, what book do you want? <laughs> she went up She went up and bought 15 copies and we got um, the hard hat. Um, John Gordon's solid. Uh, um, John Gordon's good too. So um, I think I'm, you'll like what Josh says in this. He he's the guy that did the burn the goals book. Okay. Um, burn your goals, yeah. Really, he and, and again, I'm a big Kevin Eastman guy. There you go. I, I absolutely love Kevin, and, and I love 
that he gives me numbers. Hey, first thing you need to write down, second thing you need to write down, third thing. I love that about him because then I feel like I've got my stuff and, and I love that, you know, he never wants to have two bad days in a row. I love that kind of stuff. But in, Josh is a little interesting in that, you know, he really talks about commitments rather than goals. Um, you know, because goals, you know, we all are going to try to win a state championship or a NWAC championship or a, a regional title or whatever. But if we don't accomplish that, did we have a bad season or did we not accomplish anything? Um, and so he comes at goals with that perspective and really – he likes to use the word commitments. You know, what commitments are we going to make to our team? What commitments are we going to make to each other to be the best player? What, what commitments are we going to make as coaches to help our team be successful? And so I, I like that. And um, he's got a little, that, that win the dark, it's kind of a parable, you know, one of those John Gordon type things. It's a story about a kid. And so I'm trying to get the kids on that one. And um, I'm, I'm out halfway through and I absolutely love it. And I, I like the unique spin on that. Because there's so many things that are, you know, goal-oriented and those kind of things. So, I got to get more discipline. I'll, I'll start a book. I'll read that, like, a couple chapters. I'm like, huh, what's the next book I want to read? Like, I got to finish the book before I get to another book. Um, there's a few laying around. This is, me being a, this is the newest one I'm looking at. You know, it looks backwards, so it's hard to read. The Road to? The Road to 138, the Jack Taylor Grinnell story. Oh, 138, yes. I mean, look at this guy, man. Five foot ten, 155 pounds. How many shots did he take that night? I don't know. I got. I mean, the the sad part is, is I don't know if people even really know the story. He scored over a hundred twice. Yeah, that 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 I remember seeing that, and it was amazing to even think about getting up that, especially a guard. I mean, not that Wilt's accomplishment was easy because he was a post, but he probably had a couple cheapies. Yeah. Uh, in and, there. And there's no video of it, right? Right. Just, just the sign holding the 100. It was a bunch of free throws, wasn't it? 28 to 32. That's the, uh, the MythBuster part of it. Is there's still a few people that will will tell you that if Wilt goes 28 for 32, I'm buying a lottery ticket tomorrow and I'm going to win. Because, but you know what? That's uh, it's history. I'm, I'm sure it happened. And but yeah, that Grinnell stuff was was fascinating. Yeah, so this is basically the story written by a by a player that played at Grinnell that left the program, left, was still infatuated and followed them that season and was at the game. Wow. So he ended up writing a book about it. Um, and the backside is kind of funny. It says, what makes, what makes the system so different? How does it work? Why do so many people seem to hate it? Why would a team choose to play basketball that way? Do the pioneers just want to break records and get on TV? And most importantly, how does one guy even manage to take so many shots in a 40-minute game? So basically, that's what this book is supposed to answer. So me, me running the system yeah. and getting into that. I know, I know your last – we watched some game film of your team – and you're about as close as system got in high school without calling. Yeah, there were some of our teams that were really, really close. Um, and I, I think there were even a couple of years. Yeah, you watch Ed Maddock, right, at Fresno City? Oh, yeah. And I think mm -hmm. when Brad Smith's team. He's, he's pretty really close good. to it, too. Yeah, yeah. And I think when Brad had Ashley Smith, I mean, it, you have the right point guard um, that can get that ball off one dribble or, or really send it. You, you can uh, – 
um, you can be very close to system and without necessarily being a system. We were just running number break and we're kicking it ahead. And, and if you're open, you're going to let it rip. Let it fly. Let it fly. And then, you know, if you, if you don't have that, we're going to attack baseline and try to get the drift and shoot a three. Um, if we had a really good post, we might look in there, take a peek. Um, you know, that whole peeking into the big, we haven't, gosh, I can, I couldn't tell you the last time we kicked it ahead and threw it into the bag. Yeah. You know, um, Oh, my camera's going down. So that means the battery is wearing out on the, on the, on the tripod. So I got to go to that crappy video now. Um, so just want to thank you for joining me tonight and look forward to doing more little hoop talks on Wednesday nights and then our stuff starting up on the 14th. So I think we got yeah, a lot of great content. You know, like, like I'll leave you with the, you know, I, I think to me it's, it's, it's being able to, to go from the know-it-all to the learn-it-all. That's, that's the best yep. thing you can ever do as a coach. And, and remember, it's never about us. It's always about them. And, 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 and really just enjoy this, this getting smarter and better as a coach. I, I absolutely love it. I, I think if the, the nice part, you know, we never quite got into that college journey. We kind of missed out on that because we got sidetracked, but you know, me going to the college level, I was, I was in a situation where the AD and I weren't, weren't seeing eye to eye at the high school anymore. Uh, he wanted to make a decision. I wanted to make a decision and, and it ended up that, you know, I'd had some success in the area and, 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 you know, people knew who I was and I was able to get a job uh, just right across the street at the community college. And, and I would encourage any coach to, to, if, if your aspiration is to coach at the college level, you can do it. Yeah. You're an old guy like me and uh, a young guy like you, uh, you know, a uh, uh, super I'm young. Guy. man. I'm not that young. <laughs> Trying to be nice to the host, right? I'm, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but, uh, you know, or a guy just starting out, I, I just think that, that it's a great game and you, you can find your niche, but it, it, it's, it's not always, a, a, if you're looking for pats on the back, you know, you may look for a different, a different vocation, but if you're looking for the satisfaction of helping young people grow into strong women. Nothing no power to you, man. You're doing it at the JUCO level, the doggy dog world. So we, we've been pretty lucky. There's some, there's some good kids in Oregon that, that D three JUCO, I you know I I look at that sometimes at that level. There's a lot of athletes at that level in our state, so we're lucky that we we have some, and it's 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 a pretty good conference. There's some good players and good teams, and some guys. You know, the guy I work with has been there for 22 years. The guy in Eugene's been there for 25. The guy in, in Umpqua uh, has been there for 25. So there's some some people that have found a nice little niche <laughs> coaching junior college, and it's it's something that that I. The nice part, I go at home at the end of the day, win or loss, I'm not, and there's no sleepless nights for me anymore. And, yeah. and that's, that's a nice thing. And I'm probably a better husband and I'm a much better father who takes their kids, uh, you know, out to the river. And we oh, no, man, I know, I know you've, you sent me, you called me the one time on your jet, on your jet yep. ski, you FaceTimed me. So I could have done that today. We decided just to, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You like the FaceTime me while, you know, I'm at work just to, just to rip <laughs> me a little bit and say, Hey, this is, you need to come up to Oregon. You know I'm going to be out there. So well, you'll, you'll uh, send me a picture here in about a month when it's raining here and it's 75 okay. degrees and clear there. So it'll all even out. All right, man. Well, you you have a great great rest of your evening. Um, we'll talk soon. And and for people that are listening to this podcast, um, check out the podcast description. Um, there'll be a nice little promo for you to sign up for our clinic and maybe get some other bonus gifts from. 
me and Kurt on our ebook stuff. So, so hopefully you guys come along the journey. We'll see you on September 14th. If not, we'll see you maybe on one of our other Zoom things that we do. So, uh, you got anything to, to sign off with there, Kurt? No, good luck. And, and, and I think everybody out there knows that you and I are an open book, you know, for yeah. phone calls and emails and sharing. And, and I think you're doing a great job with your, with your, yeah, the joke, the joke now is the, the Basketpedia guy, the Encyclopedia of Basketball. So there you go. Love it. All right, man. Take care. And yeah. Thanks for coming on and, and chatting. And we had, we had some people on Facebook checking us out. So we had about some coaches. So it's up All in right. the face. It's in the, it's in the Facebook group. So. Perfect. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. Take care. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Basketpedia podcast with Kurt Gelsdorf and Mark Hart. The DDMA to Z course begins on September 14th. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at System Basketball to get all of our great content, such as our podcast and our film breakdowns.